0: now it's time for the health detective nationally known clinical nutritionist dr toby watkinson dr watkinson has a diverse background in alternative medicine with over two decades of practice and research and is an expert on how nutrition affects the human body the mission of the health detective is to investigate and uncover the real truth about issues
1: related to health and nutrition and to teach you how to take control of your own health and now Dr. Watkinson, I presume?
0: Welcome to the show today. This is Dr. Toby Watkinson, your health detective, and today we've got a great show for you. We've got a guest today, Michael O'Brien. This gentleman has been working in the health and nutrition field for 45 years. He has worked with Adele Davis, Bernard Jensen, Gladys Lindbergh, Dr. Christopher, John Ott, Royal Lee, the founder of Standard Process. Dr. Pottinger, who is well-known for his nutritional escapades around the world. And these are the greats of nutrition, this list that I just read to you. As a matter of fact, when Dr. Jensen became so ill with prostate cancer, Dr. Jensen's wife called our guest today, Michael O'Brien, to come to California and to work with Dr. Jensen to put him back in good health. And Dr. Jensen at the time was 85 years old. He had lost tremendous amounts of weight. He was down to 76 pounds. Well, Dr. Jensen is 91 years old today, and uh, uh, we owe that, I believe, uh, a large debt of gratitude for Michael O'Brien for keeping Dr. Jensen in great shape. I guess you're all wondering, how did Michael O'Brien do that? What's the secret here? Well, what we're going to be talking about today is enzymes. So, Michael, it's great to have you here, and I am so excited to hear some of your personal stories about some of the people that you've worked with through the years. And I know this situation that happened six or seven years ago with Bernard Jensen and when he'd become so ill with prostate cancer. You want to tell us a little bit about what you did for Bernard Jensen?
1: Well, you know, I I used to argue with Dr. Jensen about just take a shot. It's a whole lot easier. And I learned a great deal from these great greats and he was a a tremendous influence in my life, really. And when my wife was sick, the scientific information was not able to help her. And so we went with the information that I had gleaned and gotten from Dr. Jensen, who was very famous, as you know, for cleansing and detoxing the bowel and doing this type of thing. Well, Dr. Jensen, as you mentioned, had prostate cancer that had metastasized into the bone. And his wife called me, and I hadn't heard from them, oh, it had to be 25, 30 years. And I said, how in the world did you find me? Well, she had tracked me down, and Dr. Jensen was sick, he was dying, his family had visited him for the last time, and went back and said, Doc will never be home. His employees from the ranch had visited him for the last time, and as far as everyone was concerned. Dr. Jensen was dead, and when Marie, his wife, called and asked me if I would help, I gave her the name of other doctors that were well-known and had hospital capacity and could do a lot of things, and they wouldn't help him because his medical records read like a New York phone book, and as far as they were concerned, he was dead too. And so I flew in to meet with Dr., and they took him off medication long enough to talk to me, and the only thing he said was, in a broken voice, I just wanna die. And here was a man that was 85 years old, he weighed 76 pounds, he was skin and bone, and you look at him, and the thing that comes into your mind is he's done a good job for years, and it would be only fair to let him die, he's miserable. You think those things.
0: Well, a lot of people would look at someone who's in that shape, and that they're 85 years old, And you'd say, well, maybe it's best that he pass on. And you looked at that with a whole new challenge, didn't you?
1: That's right. And when someone says, and this is important for people to understand, when someone says, I just want to die, you have to ask a person, do you want to live, and if so, why? And so when he said that to me, I said, well, doctor, you shouldn't have called me because if you die on my shift, it's going to look bad on me.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) And the first thing that we had to do with him... And I'll I'll cover the enzymes and the bacteria and things of that nature, but the first thing we had to do was get a certain mentality there. And I said to Doc, I said, you know, Doc, you and I were friends with many of these great-greats. And I told him about all of the people that we were friends with. And I said, "They're, they're personal friends of yours, and they were personal friends of mine. They're all gone now. But I said, in this world that we're living in today one of the great greats has to face the crisis and overcome it so that the world knows that you can win, not submit to the other factors that take everybody out. And I said, so one of the great greats, either Adele Davis or someone, has to do this. And I said, you're the only one left. You're the last of the great greats. And so if you don't do it, no one will. Well, that gave him the mental inspiration to say, yes, maybe I ought to go on and do this. And so we had his mindset right now with the idea that that was a challenge to him to overcome this and to show the world that you can do it with natural means. Then you go to Howell's study, and Howell said the only difference between a rock and a man is an enzyme. In in essence, he was saying that when you're out of enzymes, you're out of life. And I'm looking at a man that was totally out of enzymes. And so we loaded him Every drink that he had was loaded with enzymes. Everything that he put in his mouth was loaded with enzymes. We were giving him high doses. And when I say high doses, I'm talking about as high as 200, 500 enzymes a day in powder form. And he was just sipping them all the time. Well, what we were doing was we were putting workers back into his body
0: here's a man dr bernard jensen who has for his whole life he's eaten well he's taken good care of himself he's he's done all the things are we would expect him to have done all the things to maintain good health how was it he didn't have any of these enzymes we're talking about
1: well you see they cook the food with all the good things that they're eating they're cooking and yes he had all of these things But I think it's also important to remember that Dr. Jensen traveled a lot, did a lot of world tours and boat cruises and things of this nature where he wasn't getting everything that he needed. But he said, every time I go and do a a lecture or a seminar, they want me to sit and eat with them and they bring out all this food. And I said, yes, doctor, but it's your body. Yeah. (laughs) You have to decide the most powerful thing that a man has is his right to choose and his power to choose. And that's the way it is with people. And once they've made up their mind, they want to be well, then they have to choose, do I want to take this food or don't I? And I have sat many, many times at dinners with people where I drank my bottle of water and just passed on the food.
0: Because it was dead food. And because
1: it was dead food, and it wasn't doing any good for me.
0: And if you'd put it in your body, it would only be seen as debris.
1: That's right, and no phytochemicals in it. See, You've cooked and killed it, and the phytochemicals become inert. And so there's no protection in that capacity, even though you add back the enzymes. And the enzyme story is so vitally important. You go back to the World War II when we were building bomb shelters in this nation, and... You look at the studies that they were doing when they were stocking the bomb shelters, the big bomb shelters for the government and everything, and the studies come back and show they were giving that food to their rats in their rat studies, and and the rats were dying of amino acid deficiencies.
0: Yeah, the same way the American Indian... Is now the biggest group studied for diabetes because they were they were basically giving to these people surplus food, which was nothing but dead, processed, overly processed sugar and flour, and sooner or later they all developed diabetes
1: and there's a high amount of obesity there too
0: yeah, yeah, because there's no quality proteins, no live enzymes, and anything they 've been eating
1: absolutely and so you look at this and and you start to realize and, and they asked the doctor they said. The doctor said, well, they're all lysine deficient. That's an essential amino acid. And they said, well, when we look in the test tube, the lysine's there. He said, well, tell my rats. Yeah,
0: really. <laughs> and, it, it wasn't available because it wasn't in combination with the things that existed in nature. And it
1: becomes encapsulated. And in their own studies in the 40s, they came out and pointed out that man must have enzymes. But they never got into it. And Howell was doing those studies back in the, in the late 20s, early 30s. He had train car loads of studies. I'm talking about boxcars of, of studies of enzymes and how they worked. And you have to remember that we didn't have the enzyme contents that we have today. We, we really didn't know what we were doing.
0: Well, aren't we really looking at today foods that are devoid of many of the enzymes?
1: And minerals, yes, they're absolutely, they're completely devoid of these.
0: And, and and the reason for this is?
1: Well, the reason for it is is processing, heating, early harvest to ship, uh, grown on mineral-deficient soils. And in a mineral-deficient soil, there's studies from, there's university studies that demonstrate that when you grow a plant on a soil that's mineral-deficient, the plant will sacrifice its enzyme content to that soil to micronize it to get the mineral that it needs to survive. And what we're looking at today, if you look at any agricultural book, you're going to see all over the United States, all over the world, soils that have been depleted from harvest that they didn't put the minerals back. And when they add back, they just add the minerals back that are necessary to make the plant big and pretty.
0: And the other thing with many of these minerals is these minerals cannot actually be used by the human body because they're incomplete. Is this right? They're synthetics.
1: Right. Absolutely correct. If you want to know what the body needs, look at nature. And I told Adele Davis, I'll just tell you a story that's really interesting. Adele Davis was the lady that came up with the balanced B concept. And in that balanced B concept, You'll see B complete 50, B complete 100 in the stores.
0: You've got my attention right now because this is my favorite story. And that is that a balanced B was only balanced in the laboratory because nothing existed like that in nature. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely correct. 50 milligrams, 50 milligrams, 50 milligrams, 50 milligrams. Nature has never made one thing ever in its entire existence that was balanced in that particular way.
1: And I said to Adele Davis, I said, Deli, I said, where in the world did you come up with this? And she said, oh, this is a nightmare. She said, I said, but where did you get it? Do you know where Deli got that? No. In a cadaver in the morgue.
0: They'd evaluated the bee content of the cadaver.
1: Of the cadaver. Incredible. And of course, the cadaver, you still had active bacteria inside of it. And so the bacteria were still making B complex but the body wasn't using it so your levels were changing dramatically uh... she said i can't recover it she said it's gone out there like a like a pillow of feathers being thrown off the top of the empire state building no matter how hard you try you can't recover all those feathers
0: you know it's incredible what you're saying because that's in essence a very similar story to what mark anderson i know you know mark very well yes uh... what mark had told us when he talked to us about the situation of uh, of what man needs when they were developing fertilizer and they figured out that well all that we really need to put on the soil is nitrogen right <laughs> and they got that from evaluating a cadaver <laughs> Right. <laughs> so you know if we've been evaluating dead people as to what we need for live people we've been going up the wrong tree
1: isn't that the process that we've been going through
0: Totally. So whenever you take anything out of nature and you distill it and you refine it and you process it to where it becomes so potent and then you use it. For example, you know, the whole story with ascorbic acid, vitamin C. It's um, Ascorbic acid is no more vitamin C than the man in the moon is vitamin C. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, it, it's, it's basically the eggshell... For the vitamin C complex, and which is vitamin C complex is vitamin J, vitamin P, vitamin K, tyrosinase, which is a copper enzyme, right? Uh, all these other things that belong in it. And so, what you're saying is that in the development of these products, these quote scientific products, when scientists get down to looking at just the finest elements, say, "Well, here it is. We found what it is." No, it's all these other things that exist with it that cause it to work right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, 100% correct. And you think about this, and if you remember when we were talking uh, before, I mentioned that Adele Davis was actually a scientific nutritionist. But you see, the thing that she would do, she smoked, and I, I can't condemn her for smoking because I smoked for years too. But what she thought was if I smoke a cigarette, I need vitamin C. To her, vitamin C was a, a ascorbic acid Yeah. or calcium ascorbate. and. What she didn't realize was that nicotine kills every known enzyme in the body. So her scientific knowledge was limited to the knowledge of that day, and she wasn't supplementing with enzymes. She wasn't putting anything in to offset or bring back into balance the things that she was doing that was destructive. And people have to come to understand this. Nature is a form of balance. And when we go out of balance, that's when we end up getting into trouble. You look at sugar, and they say sugar is good for a person. You go to a doctor, and he thinks, or to a hospital, and they think of a carbohydrate. They don't care where you get the carbohydrate.
0: And sugar is a vacuum. It throws off your entire phosphorus-calcium ratios, and you end up sick out the other side of it. And they just don't get that picture.
1: Well, you see, what people have to do, they have to come to an understanding of what it's going to take to make them well. And in the healing process, when a person really decides to recognize that they're sick and that they need some help, they start searching. And they look everywhere. And it's like the man walking through the desert that runs out of water. So the first man on a camel that comes riding by, he said, where is the oasis? And the man told him the oasis. You see the third sand dune there. It's only an hour away. And at the bottom of that sand dune, there's the most beautiful oasis with the water flowing and everything is great. And so the man starts walking toward it. And on the way, someone else comes by and he's coming from another direction and, and the man only has two sand dunes to go. And he asks, well, where's the, where's the oasis? And the guy said, it's over here to the right. You go east here. And when you, it's just a little ways. Well, on the way east, the man meets another man And ask the same question, and the guy tells him that it's back behind him there. And he goes around and around in a circle, and he never gets to the oasis. He dies of dehydration in the desert because he's been listening to everybody. And I believe that it's important that people learn to understand the fundamentals of nature, to understand what makes their body work, and to go with those programs that make the body function properly. And in order for the body to function properly, one of the things that you need is natural food, good food. Another thing that you need, you must have always, always workers. Food without workers is just a building material, similar to trying to build a home. And you get the wood and the cement and the bricks and the windows, and you have everything sitting there but no workers. And that's what people do to their body in the programs that have been set up for us today.
0: So this desert story, really what you're saying there is people don't really know what the truth really is, and they can't recognize the truth when they hear it because they're so disoriented by the marketing and the other things that are out there. Absolutely. And so they don't know the way to their own health, and that everybody that comes by is saying, hey, it's over here, it's over here, it's over there, oh, it was just right behind you and they don't have the training or the education or the understanding and what we're saying what we're offering here is so simplistic so simplistic that people even have difficulty accepting that and that is that if we're eating good food and we're eating good food that's grown on good soil and that these foods are organically raised and concentrated in one way or another to where they contain the enzymes that's what's going to heal us that's what's going to fix us but that story is so simple. A lot of people say, "Well, it couldn't be that easy." And you are starting to tell me about your cancer and your experience with your own cancer. Yes,
1: and and you go back and two thousand years ago, it was written. The way is so simple a child can find it, never err. And as I mentioned to you, I I was in in pursuit of ways of life that an Irishman will usually follow. And <laughs> with as much as I knew, I was not unlike Adele Davis and. Some of the others, I still smoked and drank and did all the things that people will do. And I ended up with colon cancer. Uh, I knew what it was. And the doctor told my wife, a friend of mine, who was into nutrition and health, told my wife he didn't think I was going to make it through the weekend.
0: Well, colon cancer doesn't have a very good uh, prospect of uh, survival. I mean, (laughs) what what did you do that brought you out of that? Well,
1: one of the things that I did that I think is important I did enzymes and I did bacteria and I did antioxidants heavy heavy amounts of antioxidants
0: but in a natural complete in a
1: natural way and the thing that I think is important for the people to understand is that once I had made up my mind what was going to make me well I did not look at another program I didn't care how good it was people would come to me and they would say you know Uh, this has been proven to do this and this and this. And they would bring me isolates. They would give me products to take, and I just put them in a box. And I would buy products because they were so earnest and so sincere and so interested in my health. And many of the people that I knew, some of the great greats, would tell me, You know, Dr. Christopher, do this and this. But I had already set my mind and my sights on my goal.
0: So you knew where the Oasis was, and you weren't going to listen to any camel drivers telling you to do anything. I I was
1: not interested in any other story of any other Oasis. I was heading for it.
0: Well, you know, there's something interesting in what you said there that that we may want to clarify for uh, some of our listeners. You said, I took... Enzymes, and I took bacteria. Now, <laughs> now, bacteria to a lot of people Our might bad. mean something not so good. <laughs> what was <laughs> the bacteria you were taking?
1: Well, you know, there's uh, there's bacteria that have that have been isolated. One of the problems that you have in the bacteria field today, if you go to a university and you talk to people about friendly bacteria, and you have Bifidus and Acidophilus and all the many different bacterium, and there's salivaris and bulgaris and you you bet bulgaris and plantarum and uh, subtilis and what have you well they don't know too much about friendly bacteria today it's a new study they never studied it because it wasn't causing any problems
0: and these are the same friendly bacteria that live in our gastrointestinal tract actually cause us to they make certain vitamins for us that we can't get any other place and
1: they manufacture enzymes and these are things that are important for the glutathions and all the different things that they're now trying to come out with the isolates and say, here's what you need. Well, what you really need is good food and friendly bacteria and enzymes. And then your body makes all of those things.
0: You know, uh, Michael, a kind of an interesting concept. We were beginning to talk about the gastrointestinal tract. And it, and to paint a visual for people, if we were to take your all your digestive organs, your stomach and your small intestine, large intestine, and spread it out flat in the parking lot outside here, it would cover a total of two tennis courts worth of absorptive material. And what we do is we live off of that gastrointestinal tract. It, there's an ecology that exists in the gastrointestinal tract that that actually allows things to ferment and for us to make vitamins and and enzymes in our own gastrointestinal tract and things like antibiotics and uh... other inappropriate foodstuffs that get thrown into that gastrointestinal tract Uh, abuse and damage the ecology of that and that is what many times causes us to be ill and not be able to resist cancer and other diseases michael can you climb onto that one and make something of it
1: (laughs) you bet absolutely (laughs) you you did a fine lead in on that one and when you think about this you you begin to realize that people innocently take water that has chlorine in it and you say what What's wrong with doing that? Chlorine protects you from bad things, from bad bacteria. But chlorine also kills friendly and good bacteria. And so people become wiped out of friendly, helpful, beneficial bacteria.
0: Well, you know, most of the diseases that I see that come through my office, the people with chronic fatigue, the people with... Uh, fibromyalgia, those things in my practice are treated by balancing and correcting their gastrointestinal tract and then giving them something good to eat and also something good in a form of a concentrated whole food supplement that is still enzymatically alive to restore that ecology in that gastrointestinal tract.
1: Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. And when you think about that and you, you get into that and people start to understand, you know, they go and they take antibiotics and the doctor gives them a package with antibiotics and he says, take two a day for 14 days or eight days or 10 days, whatever it may be. So they do this. Well, you always have bacteria that survive that antibiotic. And that's where our superbugs have come from that we're facing today, is because they have developed such a power from existing on those antibiotics that today we have nothing that even stops them. And just like in the growth fields, Today, where we have hybrid wheats and grains and things, when you end up with a blight and a sickness in that grain, where do they go to get the answer? They always go back to the natural fields in South America. And they bring the grain up and start a healing process through that cycle again. And they get the strength back. And with people, what they have to look at is getting that natural Healing process back by going back to the natural substances again.
0: You know, when a patient comes in to me and they said, I'd like to build up my immunity, I always kind of scratch my head. And this is kind of a misnomer. I want to build up my immunity. The immunity is in our bodies is not a matter of building up one particular thing it's a matter of getting the ecology of our gastrointestinal tract in shape so that we can actually make the things in our own wonderful pharmacy in our body that we're missing and that we need and that that in itself builds the person and then the person as a result of that has a fully functional immune system instead of start trying to build it up by cramming in a bunch of things that are supposed to be immune builders of some kind. Absolutely. Or yeah. So you get the ecology of that gut right and you can make all your own antibiotics.
1: Absolutely. And as you start to detox and clean that internal environment which is actually outside the body. You see when you were talking about spreading that gastrointestinal tract covering two tennis courts when you put something in your mouth, it's still outside your body.
0: Exactly. That tract that runs from your, uh, your mouth to your rectum, that's not part of your body. It runs through your body. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so you
1: have to ask yourself, what proceedings have to go on? What do I need to break this food down, to micronize it, to, to prepare it so that it can be absorbed properly into the system? We do what is known as an oatmeal demonstration. And we show oatmeal, when you put the enzyme in, how it instantly liquefies it. And when we do that, uh, it's a very interesting thing because they've kept it in a warm environment. And the cooked oatmeal molds. And the enzyme-activated oatmeal just becomes sweet. And there's never any mold growth on it
0: like the difference between pasteurized and unpasteurized milk
1: absolutely yeah
0: the unpasteurized has the enzymes that keep it from going bad in the same way that pasteurized milk goes bad
1: pasteurized milk will putrefy and and unpasteurized milk sours
0: exactly to protect itself
1: that's right (laughs) and so when when you realize that in the upper or the cardiac portion of the stomach you talk to people and you say you ever eat oatmeal no i don't eat that why not it sits like a rock on my stomach for an hour. It's
0: because they have no enzymes.
1: That's right. Yeah. And when you, when you put the enzymes with it and it begins to break it down, what it does, people eat protein. And what the enzymes do is it breaks everything down so it's in a molecular form so the body can utilize it. And you expose the amino acids to the pepsin. And the pepsin reacts on five amino acids, four of which are essential. The tryptophan, the phenylalanine, the tyrosine, and the methionine. And that brings that to, in that acid environment, the peptide-polypeptide conversion. And at that point, as it goes into the small intestine, you have complete aminos for the liver to be used and to gain the value that it needs to manufacture the hormones and the enzymes that are going to stimulate your entire endocrine system.
0: And the only way those become available is by having the right enzymes in the stomach.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely correct, Doctor.
0: And and, and those enzymes in the stomach are part of the food?
1: They're part of the food.
0: In other yeah. words, when, when nature created the food, they said, hey, you're going to need these elements to be able to use the food. So, therefore, we're going to put them in the food. What a, what a novel idea, huh? Right.
1: <laughs> Man, in his infinite wisdom, says, no, we don't need that. Let's cook it out. It'll last longer on the shelf. If you want to know the value of an enzyme, go to a food processing company, and they are experts at killing enzymes. They know from the onset— that these enzymes have to be killed or the food won't last and so if you really want to know about enzymes go to a food processing company they're experts at it not at, at making but at killing and so when you think about this and you go to the next stage and you ask yourself about the gastrointestinal and that's a very important thing and no one knows how enzymes and bacteria and things of this nature play into this Role. But there's a study about, and, and it's called intestinal toxemia, an inescapable clinical phenomenon. And that study demonstrates all of these diseases that man is faced with, from eye problems, ear problems, sinus problems, uh, migraine headaches, breast cancer, all of these different things are symptoms of intestinal toxemia. And when you look at where the intestinal toxemia comes from, you have to ask that question, where does it come from? What's the nature of it? And when you ask that question, you come back always, always, always to tryptophan, hyrosine, these unprocessed amino acids because they were not exposed to the pepsin because they weren't digested in the right order. Now they go into the small intestine, and you have them in whole form, and the negative bacteria, the Escherichia coli, the Pseudomonas, these bacteria take those unprocessed aminos and turn them into putrefactive substances.
0: Well, you you know, I, I think the part of the picture here that people don't necessarily get is, it's like a production line, and if you're down the production line from me, and it's your job to put the fenders on, and it's my job to put the wheels on, If you get my car on your end of the production line without the wheels on it, you have no wrench, you have no wheels, you can't put wheels on my car, and the gastrointestinal tract is the same kind of thing. I'm in the stomach, and I'm to put pepsin with the food, well, guess what? If it gets to the small intestine, and you're the small intestine, you don't have any pepsin to give out. You can't do the job of the stomach. The large intestine can't do the job of the small intestine. That's right. And, and the stomach can't do the job of the mouth.
1: That's absolutely correct.
0: And so people get m- misinformed about this. They, they wash their food down, they chew it twice, and they swallow it whole with a bunch of whatever it is they're drinking with it. It gets to the stomach, and it never got mixed with the parotid enzymes and the other things in the mouth to begin to label it in such a way that the stomach even knew what to do with it.
1: Right. And for that reason, when it comes to people wanting to recapture health, I think that the most important thing that they can do today is supplement with enzymes.
0: To really cause these putrefactive processes to come to a a halt, basically.
1: Right, right. You know, you hear people say, well, I'm on a colon cleanse now. But they're not doing anything to stop. What was creating that colon condition in the first place?
0: Exactly. I I see so many patients who come into my office and they said, I'm getting colonics and I'm getting some some other cleanses and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I said, yeah, that's fine. But what's that going to do about the process that caused it to occur in the first place? You're going to feel temporarily better because you've done this particular thing. But it's doing nothing to restore the ecology of this gastrointestinal tract, which is the most important thing you have going for you. When it's right. running right, and if it's not running right, it's the worst thing in the world for you.
1: Right, and there's ninety nine point nine nine percent of the people.
0: Absolutely, and I have patients that come in, and I I want to talk about diet with them, and they say, "Oh, I'm on a great diet. I'm I I eat really really well." And no one has a comprehension of what eating really really well is. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're surprised. They think they're eating all the right things, and they're they're eating foods that are so devoid of of the enzymes and the live activity that uh, it's no wonder they're in my office looking for help.
1: Right. You're you're surprised that they made it that far.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: There's one thing that I think is important for people to know, and that's the the story of the Japanese officer that fought the war in the Philippines for 30 years after the war was Mm -hmm. over. Uh, He was on the Boston show, uh, which is like Good Morning America, And you look at this man, and it was amazing. For 30 years, this man didn't brush his teeth. And he had the most beautiful teeth I had ever seen. And here's a man that was putting live, active foods into his body. They took him back to Japan, and they put him on the treadmills and ran him through because they hadn't seen a man that had lived without a doctor for 30 years. This was an unknown. And he had the ability to return to homeostasis of a 12 to 15 year old boy. Wow, that's incredible. And it was really exciting to see him because he was a man that was in his, he was 59 when he appeared on the show. He looked younger than he did when he left Japan. He had recaptured the youth. And here's a man that lived on enzyme active foods Because he was afraid to start a fire, the enemy would find him.
0: So he was eating a raw diet then. He was on a raw
1: diet. But the fact that he was on a wholesome diet was so important in the fact that he became hypersensitive. He knew when people were coming, he could hide. He knew exactly where they were. His innate intelligence became predominant in his life. And you, you talk about someone that had had power and that innate intelligence. And, you know, we bury the innate intelligence at a very early age. And when a child is being weaned, mother gives that child a uh, a spoonful of mashed potatoes with gravy, and we know how good that is. And the child spits it out. (laughs) He doesn't want that. But if the mother had given that child a carrot that was blended up in a blender, the child would eat it. That's food to him but she's giving him something that's a toy. And his innate intelligence says, that's no good. Don't do that. And so mother finally gets him to take a couple of bites because he's hungry and then she sits down and of course he takes the plate and throws it on the floor. It's something to play with. And you look at that same mother when she looks out the window and little Johnny, he's two years old and he's out there playing and in his mind, his innate intelligence says, Johnny, you're out of this mineral, and here it is in the soil here. Eat some dirt. And Johnny looks down and he studies the soil, and before long, mother, who's washing dishes and keeping a close, careful eye on Johnny, sees him eat dirt. And she's aghast. She says, My goodness, and she rushes outside and she she wipes his mouth, proclaiming nasty, nasty. She swats him on the behind, hauls him in the house, and gives him a twinkie. <laughs> And you have to ask yourself, how many Twinkies does it take to get little Johnny to sacrifice that innate intelligence, that still small voice within him that says, do this, this is good. And how does that expand into the rest of Johnny's life where he's driving too fast and that small voice says, don't drive this fast, it's not safe. But he's been taught not to listen to it at those early ages.
0: Yeah, intuition is our strongest suit. As a human being, and it's the one that we never listen to. Right. When it goes off in our head, we rationalize it, we intellectualize it, we justify it, but we we rarely, if ever, listen to it.
1: And I believe that that's because at an early age we were taught not to.
0: Absolutely, positively. We hear a lot about enzymes, and we go into the grocery store even now, where they sell a lot of different vitamin products and so forth and they have enzymes there. What, what are we really looking for in an enzyme? Are, are some of these enzymes we're seeing in the store actually good for us? What, what can you tell us about that?
1: Well, when you think of enzymes, the first thing I think that you have to look at is an enzyme that would be plant or food oriented. It comes from that source. And understand that an avocado has a lot of lipase enzymes because it's a high fat. And of course, an apple has a lot of amylase enzyme because it's a high carb. And all of these actually have a lot of cellulase because they have fiber. And when you think about this, an enzyme that's a plant enzyme or a food enzyme is one that's essential in preparing the body to save its own enzyme potential because you you actually, when you eat cooked food, even to the point of heat distilled water, you bring the white blood count up. And there's study after study that demonstrate this. And so what that tells you is that you're demanding on your body to pull the white blood cell in to help with the breakdown of that food, which the body was not designed to do. And the body's not designed to make enzymes to digest the food the way that we're demanding on it today.
0: So, in, in essence, when you were saying before about uh, Dr. Jensen didn't have any workers any longer, what had happened was because of a cooked food diet, he became deficient in those workers or those enzymes because he wasn't replenishing them with raw food. Is that correct a- then?
1: Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And then with that, he couldn't break the proteins down to supply the liver so that the liver could make the enzymes that stimulated the endocrine. So now he starts becoming deficient in pancreatic enzymes, which is lipase, protease, and amylase. So he's stealing from his own body at that time.
0: And that's how he got depleted.
1: And that's how he became depleted, absolutely.
0: Okay, so now then what we're really talking about in in terms of a product is we're really talking about a product that is plant-based enzymes coming from live whole food that's not been heated beyond its capacity to maintain the enzymes.
1: Absolutely. And the question that was asked, and I think is very important, is what's the difference between the ones that you have as a company versus the ones that you see in the stores and what have you. The, The difference primarily is the methods of extracting those enzymes from the source. That's number one. Number two is there are many, many, Dr. William Donald Kelly, as you know, was a very strong advocate of enzymes, but he used pancreatic enzymes. And pancreatic enzymes function in a very narrow pH. They function in a pH of 7.8 to 8.3.
0: Yeah, where the plant enzymes can function in a much wider range.
1: The plant enzymes that, that we're talking about function in a pH range of 2 to 12.
0: Yeah, a much wider range.
1: And they pass the gut wall. They, they, they pass through the acid environment. They're active all the way. And so the results that we get today versus the results that Dr. Kelly was getting with his pancreatic enzyme, understanding that sick people are not alkaline. They're acid.
0: So therefore the pancreatic enzymes wouldn't even work in them. They never Ab- even turn on.
1: Absolutely. That's the problem that he was facing. And so he had these people getting up every hour, taking hands full of these enzymes, and they weren't turning on. Where with Dr. Jensen, when he went to sleep, we said, fine, let him rest. That's his body taking those workers and saying, okay, let's get this built now. And we knew that those enzymes were going to be active and stay active, and the body never eliminates a live enzyme. They're so vitally important that they're recycled. Pancreatic enzymes are recycled back through the pancreas and, and the other enzymes are recycled back to the liver and you never eliminate enzymes and you can get into story after story about how the body works and high blood pressure and all these different things and it all comes down to intestinal toxemia the intestinal toxemia comes back to enzymes and it all tracks back over and over and over again these are things that people need to know that no one's telling them because the truth hurts the truth takes away from the pharmaceutical elements that are isolates and devoid and are stealing from the body the, the things that the body really needs to have. And when you think about it, so it's the process, the way the enzyme is, is processed. It's the type of enzyme, pancreatic enzymes, even though you get value from them to a small degree, you don't get the value that you really need. It costs you more to get the value. If you could get a, ba- a pancreatic enzyme turned on, it's going to do a whole lot more work. It's just extremely powerful. It does a whole lot more work than a food enzyme, but you can't turn it on. And you look at bromelain, and, and you realize that you know, they get results to some extent from your pineapple processed enzyme. But it doesn't do what it really should do due to the fact that it's a high heat. They use that in the tanning industry. And so you get good from it, but you don't get as much good as you get from the protease, the lipase, the amylase, the cellulase, and these type of enzymes. Now, when you look at cellulase, it's the one enzyme. You go to a doctor, and a doctor will say, well, you don't need enzymes because your body makes enzymes. And we know that your body does not make cellulase. And cellulase is a gut wall transporter. Cellulase removes heavy toxic metals from the body. Cellulase pulls toxins that are causing allergic reactions from the body. These are all things you take a person that has multiple chemical sensitivity, and you get that person onto cellulase, and you have a person now that is going to come out of that moldable chemical sensitivity. And we've done it over and over and over again and just had dynamic positive results. So these are things that I think are important for people to understand.
0: Michael, summarize for us what's the miracle that's in these products that you've developed?
1: Well, there's uh, there's a few things that I think are vitally important to people. Number one, being able to break the food down in the proper time, and that happens to be the enzymes. And that's important, and I'll just touch quickly. The liver, when you talk about building that immunity, the liver takes complete proteins that are totally utilizable and it takes those amino acids and it manufactures hormones and enzymes. And the hormones and enzymes that it manufactures stimulates your entire endocrine system, which includes the thymus, the thyroid, the adrenals, the pancreas, all of these different things. That's why that when a person begins putting proper proteins and enzymes and friendly bacteria into their system, diabetics find major reductions in insulin re- requirements. People start to get well. They start to feel well. The hypoglycemic slides go away. And you're looking at a whole different picture, a whole different lifestyle with a person then. Not that they've literally changed their lifestyle, but because as a person begins to get well, they see and feel and think differently. They're happy. That's right. Yeah. And I I did a lecture... And in the lecture, I had school teachers. And I said, What are mandatory subjects? And the school teachers told me, Well, reading and writing and arithmetic, and of course, history. And I said, Why is history mandatory? And the teacher said, Well, because you look at your mistakes of the past, and then you know what not to do. I said, When didn't we do that? <laughs> and it's the same with healing and health. If you study sickness and disease, that's the only thing you know how to produce. Exactly. And I believe that people should study health and vitality so Mm -hmm. they know how to produce that.
0: Well, this has been most informative today. Michael, I really want to thank you for being on the show and sharing some of your long history and personal experiences with some of the greats and some of the fine work that you've been doing. And uh, from the health detective to Michael O'Brien, we want to give a big, hearty thank you.
1: And to you too, doctor. Uh, It was a pleasure being with you.
0: Well, thank you very much. We'll have you back again sometime. been listening to Dr. Toby Watkinson, the health detective. The information given on this program is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. If you have any serious medical conditions, you should see your doctor. Thanks for listening.